Roll Massif's collection of eight road, gravel, and mountain bike sportives in Colorado take riders on a journey through the most stunning landscapes in the U.S. Each sportif offers a range of distances and challenges to suit all abilities. Iconic courses wind through the alpine terrain at the Copper Triangle Sportif and desert landscapes through the Colorado National Monument during the Tour of the Moon. Each event delivers an incredible day out on the bike with world-class support and a post-ride festival. And to help get kids out on their bikes, anyone under 18 rides for free at the road and gravel events. You can check them out at rollmassif.com. That is R-O-L-L-M-A-S-S-I-F dot com. And listeners of the Fizzo podcast get 15% off any sportive using the code Fizzo15. That's P-Y-S-O-15 at checkout, which expires May 1st. Greg, I don't know if you know this about me, but uh, I am an amateur air drummer oh. and air bassist. Yeah. Yeah, what would you I say am. you're better at? But but you're air bass or air drum? Oh man. <laughs> do you ever switch do you ever switch instruments I, I... mid-song? This week on Put Your Socks On. Cycling and music. Some say they go hand in hand, some say they don't. We sat down with Saint Motel drummer, photographer, and cyclist Greg Owen to find out what he thinks about cycling, music, and more. Welcome to another episode of Put Your Socks On, the podcast that's been practicing social distancing since 2019. My name is Angus Morton, and as I am every week, joined by Bobby Zulik. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, hanging in there, all things considered, I guess. One of the highlights of this last couple of days was I had a high school buddy of mine call me up and say, hey, let's do a virtual happy hour. Sounded like a good idea, but the only problem was I didn't know how to do it, and he didn't know how to do it. Luckily, my 13-year-old daughter, Chloe, was sitting right next to me and came to the rescue, and with her, a few of the savant little touches on the screen, I was able to uh, get six of my high school buddies on the same screen. The only problem is we didn't really properly give my friends advance notice, so two guys were driving, one guy was eating dinner, <laughs> so it, it didn't work. So we're going to try it again tonight and uh, go from there. On that note, my girlfriend said to me yesterday, she's like, oh, you know, we're all in lockdown, right? You know, we've, we've got the stay-at-home order issued here in Colorado. So you can't go anywhere. And so I'm at home. My girlfriend's here and she's like, oh, can you find something to do between four and five Friday afternoon? Because I've got a, a like a virtual happy hour. I'm like, I mean, I guess I can, but you, I couldn't be invited. So now I'm like awkwardly <laughs> not invited to happy hour, but I'm sitting like, six feet away like i'm just like on the other side like i'm straight off camera and they're all having a drink and i'm just like not invited so anyway yeah it is a strange it's a strange world this is our happy hour you know what this is for you man this is for everyone that didn't get to invited to that one exactly right exactly right so look i didn't think to be honest also i didn't think i was that affected by the shutdown that's going on right and i was sort of like no i'm fine you know this is how i live my life normally but i just before i jumped on the podcast i looked in the mirror and you know the listeners out there i've got like quite a bit of you know kind of ratty facial hair growth going on and i hadn't showered for a little while and 
yeah, I, 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 I don't think I'm handling it too well. But I would like to say, though, on a positive note, I mean, you know, we're looking for, you know, we're constantly looking for silver linings in, in this current situation. And it is incredible to see the number of people out exercising in which I have to, you have to stress, obviously, like there, you have to do it responsibly. And I'm impressed to see a lot of people out by themselves doing their thing. But just, I, you know, I think coming out of this whole thing or when we do come out of this whole thing, there'll be a greater appreciation for the outdoors. Um, and I hope, you know, it, it, a lot of people have remarked on how many people are sort of getting out and, and doing stuff. And, and as I said, do it responsibly, but I hope that continues over. And, and when we uh, return to whatever normal life looks like on the other side of the situation, um, I hope that there is a, uh, an increased um, appreciation for the outdoors and for being together um, in a, you know, in a more simple way. But you've heard of the twenty the twenty one ninety rule, haven't you? Gus? The twenty one ninety rule. <laughs> Do you know what that? that is? No, I haven't. No, I haven't heard of it. I didn't expect you to know. Um, the twenty one ninety rule is simple enough. It takes twenty one days to create a habit, and th- that's as easy as something as like drinking a glass of water right before bed or something like that. So that's that's easy, right? And then it takes up to ninety days to actually make that habit last for a while and become a, a habit, not have to think about it anymore. So I think we're all creating new habits here, hopefully good ones, because when we do get back to normal life, you could have to reset some of those habits, right? Like I don't just see us just, you know, at the drop of a hat, just running back to work and being uber productive. Yeah, this 2190 rule, you know, watch those habits that you're forming now, make sure that you're staying on task and not create any bad habits because it's going to take a while to get out of it as well. I hadn't thought of that. Speaking of, of good habits, that brings us to our guest this week. He's actually- No one's ever said, no one's ever introduced me as with good habits, never. So. No, I didn't, yeah, I didn't think so. I think one thing that the, uh, the listeners should know about our guest who I, you know, introduced at the top, Greg Irwin, was that I accidentally moved in a street away from you when I moved to, when I was living in LA a couple of years ago um, and you got in contact. No, you saw me riding down the street or something. You're like, oh, where do you live? And we happen to live uh, next door to each other. Anyway, so all that said, Greg Welcome to the show. It's good to see people other than my dog and my girlfriend, you know, see some, see some friendly faces. Yeah, I was going to say. I can't, I'm glad I can't smell you, Gus, because apparently it's, you're not, <laughs> it's not ideal at the moment. But What does life look like, in, real quick, like what does life look like for you right now? So I've been a part of the band St. Motel for the past 14 years. We've, you know, since we started, we've been a touring band, we've been working, we've been making albums and it's been a pretty interesting wild ride. And the last like six years have been really on a whole different level for us, you know, global touring and radio and music and films and TV and commercial and like, just like, you know, like we kind of moved to a different echelon from where we were. Along with that, the touring schedule in our lives has been like all encompassing. You know, it's been insane. And we've been off the last two years making an album and taking a break, basically, because we haven't had one ever <laughs> since we started our band. And then the tour started, the the new album, the first part of the new album came out end of last year, 2019. And then we started the tour mid-January. We did six weeks, it's like 34 shows, North America sold out almost every single, I think every single show was sold out. Like the biggest tour we've ever done, the biggest release we've ever had starting out like, and then, like, the tour ended March 7th in L.A. And, like, I think it was the next day or two. Then, like, this shit just hit the fan. And it was, like, we could feel it coming. Like, you could feel it was getting weird. Like, you know, the last week of the tour was West Coast. So it was Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, L.A. And, like, I mean, we were getting to venues. They're all sold out. And the promoters would be like, man, 
the show yesterday was like 200 people showed up and we're like sitting there with like 1600 people and we're like well okay that's weird i mean it doesn't it didn't feel that weird yet and and then like you know why we got to la and that last saturday night and then like two days later it was just went to lockdown and it was like man it was it's been an interesting shift i mean i think we i think we feel very lucky that we're we made it through that tour like we're supposed to be in europe right now actually I just got a calendar reminder i'm supposed to be playing in like munich today so if I'm not there, I'm sorry, Munich. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's just, it's weird. It's been a total shift, like, uh, for everyone in the world. But, like, it's been interesting to see how this is impacting not just, like, our band, like, the core members of our band, but, like, you know, all our crew and the staff and people who work for us that go tour to tour to tour to, like, survive and make money. And, like, just, like, holy shit, it's just been gutted, you know? You know, they talk about, like, the gig, not the gig economy, but, like, these people and that are relying on this stuff. And it's been really, you know... Like everyone, you just see your business just kind of like taking a hit. But let's kind of go back. You ride bikes. You obviously play music. I know you, you're a photographer as well. Like what came first, the bike, the camera, or the drum kit? Chicken or the egg. So I've been involved in two-wheel sports since I was four years old. My, my dad put me on a motorcycle, and by age five, I was competing in trials. And I rode trials, motorcycle and bicycle trials, my, like pretty much my whole life. And from age like 15 to 21, I was on a, a sponsored national team that we did with the full national circuit in US and Canada. And, you know, I just, I, that was my life. And everything two wheeled was like my thing. I, I didn't do a lot of uh, traditional sports stuff because I was just so occupied with motorcycles and bicycles, always, always, always. And so from age five to like 20, I was competitive in motorcycle sports. And then, you know, went away to college and kind of had to give that up just naturally. And, Midway through college, I was like, man, I just felt like the need. I was like, I really need to like, I feel like I need to compete or I need to do something that like pushes me again, you know, because I've always been driven in that way to like, to be competitive and have goals and work to get to those goals. And I bought like a shitty old road bike from a pawn shop where I went to school and kind of just to get around town at first. And then it was like, man, I'm kind of like feeling, you know, I I would never wear spandex. God, I would never do that. I was like that guy, you know, and then I was starting to get a little have a little more fun, getting faster. Like, man, maybe I bought, maybe I bought some spandex shorts, but I would like, you know, never wear like a full kit. But I was like, okay, I'm starting to have fun. And then I, you know, somebody loaned me like a aluminum road bike to use for a while, like after the pawn shop bike. And I just like, it just kept getting deeper and deeper into the cycling stuff. And like, eventually within a couple of years, I was, you know, racing, not full-time, but, you know, just like amateur racing in California and fell in love with criterium racing and um, some, some road racing, but, you know, I'm a bigger boy. So it wasn't, if there was a lot of hills involved, it wasn't generally my <laughs> strong point. Yeah, man, it just like, so the motorcycle thing was always the thing. It kind of turned itself into the bicycle thing. But I also like from age 12 on was, was playing music. So I started playing drums in the school band at like sixth grade and that continued the whole time through all the motorcycle stuff. There was always, I could, I was always good at like, maybe it's the ADD. Maybe that was the, I needed more things to really focus on to like keep me going, you know, like, and those things just kept me, I was always driven to like be the best I could at the things I was doing. So the music thing kept going, the bicycle thing kept going. And like, you know, obviously when, when the band I'm in St. Motel started to like move for real and like become like a job that we we're actually getting paid for and not just <laughs> schlepping around the country and sleeping on couches, like, it was like, okay, like the bike racing isn't going to be a thing now because I can't do it. I can't train. I'm not home. I always told myself, I'm like, man, if I ever get to be on a tour bus, like ever, like if I get to be on a bus, man, I'm going to bring a bicycle. Like mark my words, but it was probably just me like saying it to myself, marking my own words. And and truly like the day, the first 
tour we ever got a tour bus we got um i, I remember i flew with my bike it was like to atlanta it was the first start, start of the tour or first day of the tour and i like took a bike to the bus when i was like man I just looked at the by the end of the bus, I'm like, it's going to fit. It's going to fit. And like, since that day, I've never, I've never toured without my bicycle on the bus. So that's just, it's changed my life. And in that way, it was like, obviously I don't race or do any of that stuff anymore, but giving me this outlet I needed on the, on the road, you know, like touring is not a healthy lifestyle. It's not a generally, you know, even if you, even if you're being healthy and like taking care of yourself, it's just like, it's strenuous. It's crazy. It's stressful. The schedule is weird. The sleep is weird. Um, you know, add, add on top of that, like, any of the partying you know even if you're doing a minimal amount of that stuff it's just like it's just it's every single day is a is a new like it's groundhog day like you know but it's awesome you're doing the you're doing this thing you love but it's just you really like the end of a six seven week tour like if you don't take care of yourself you're fully blown so I, I was able to start riding on tour and it just yeah it changed my life and i was i was now like mentally i was feeling better on the road physically obviously feeling better it was making me perform better because i was keeping up my aerobic exercise and like i was coming into a show or a night where i'm like in a good place mentally because essentially you're on a bus with 10 11 people 24 hours a day or if you're not in the bus you're in a venue and if you're not in a venue you're at a radio station if you're not you know it's just like it just no complaints i'm just saying it's just it never it's never ending right always surrounded by people has any of your bandmates kind of asked you and maybe joined Joined with the bringing their bikes on the bus, or are you still kind of the only guy who's slept around a bike? Um, I have to say, I used to be the only bike on the bus. Now there's usually two or three bikes on the bus, which is good. I'm, pro- I'm definitely the only one wearing spandex <laughs> of any sort. But you know, it's been it's been really cool because the other guys may not be doing it the same reason or like doing the same amount of it I'm doing. Like whether I get like 30 minutes in to go ride to a coffee shop or grab a lunch, or if I get four hours in, like, it's just, it's a game changer for your day. So like knowing that other people in the tour are like able to escape, like it makes me super happy that whatever be inspiring them to like bring their bikes or whatever it is, like it's, it's cool. The joke is still that the same hotel cycling team, that's, it's just me. But (laughs) because again, I don't think anyone, these guys don't want to get up early and like do ride meetups and go, go, you know, do that whole thing with me, but it's fine. Like I said, I think we all need our own, we need our own thing, um, on the road. Tell me like, you know, I certainly don't necessarily think of a, of, you know, a, a traveling rock band as like having any sort of healthy, like, like you said, like, Oh, you just assume that it's this, you know, total state of excess. You take your bike with you and you ride as much as you can. What does like, I don't think I, I certainly don't know. What does a normal day look like on tour and where do you fit the bike in and like you just sort of said that might be going and meeting up with local local groups or what yeah can you kind of just like walk me through what a weird day of the saint motel tour for you looks like so generally like with the tour bus the whole purpose is to go to sleep at whatever regular time or late or whenever you make me to go to sleep and wake up in wake up in the next place like so generally you know you are sleeping when the bus is moving but it's like the benefit is that you're not, you get to the next city usually by nine or 10 AM, whether you sleep till noon or three o'clock or whatever, like that's your business. But like, usually the whole purpose of being in the next city by the next morning for us, especially now that like we're back on the radio circuit with a new single and like a lot of markets, you're having to be in a radio station by 10, 11 AM doing an acoustic show, um, doing meet and greets, doing on-air promotions and doing all that kind of stuff. So, okay. So like general day would be, yeah, wake up in the bus, 9, 10 a.m., go straight out of the bus into a transport to a radio station. Do the radio station. Maybe you're back by like 1 o'clock, 
And then for us, thankfully, because we have crew now and like people to help us set up and do all these things to make these tours possible, then that's kind of when my like free time would open up noon to like four or five when a sound check would be. So in most, even a day where we're busy in the morning, like I will have a, a pretty good chunk of hours to, to do whatever I need to do. And that's what I mean. Like some days like you can squeeze in a, like a, an hour. Some days I've, I've done like, you know, 60, 70 mile rides before sound check. Like, you know, that's, that's pretty good. Like considering, you know, you're in a new place every day, usually in the mornings, if I know I'm going to ride, I'll wake up and look for a route, map it out, try to kind of gauge what I'm doing, what I can do and what kind of time I have. And then, you know, so maybe you get your ride in, you come back usually, or sometimes <laughs> I will roll straight into sound check. Like I'll literally like ride my bike up a ramp onto the stage. Like in this, you know, usually the local crews are just like, who the fuck is this guy? Like who's the guy in tights, like riding his bike across our stage right now. And then it's me. Then I go sit down at the drums and I <laughs> usually take the bike shoes off and then <laughs> do the sound check. I've, I've even come back, done a sound check and then put my shoes back on and then left and kept riding. But usually, so yeah, you know, you come back, you sound check. And then, you know, after that, you've got some time to clean up, you've got dinner. And then usually our show times anywhere is between nine and 10. And then, you know, and then it's like after the show, get yourself loaded up, get in the bus, boom, go to the next place, rinse and repeat. You know, it's like, it's a lot and it's, but it's that awesome. It's, it's, it's just, <laughs> and like some days it's more, you know, some days it's less. Like and they're, how they're, long Typically, uh, this last tour was almost it was like seven full weeks. Dude, um, Tour de France is easy compared to that. It sounds like, <laughs> well, that is like what a cycle. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild, and that's what I mean. That's like the whole point about like if you don't really take care of your yourself and like in some some way or just add some balance, you know, like it's it's gonna be you're gonna be off the back for sure. My whole thing has been like the balance the bike brings to my life on tour is not only like make me want to be better. You know, I want to work, I want to go ride tomorrow. We're going to be in like Des Moines and I want, I know this gravel route. I want to go out and do this crazy gravel ride. Like, okay, so maybe tonight I won't have like four cocktails, you know, maybe I'll just have a beer and like go to bed at an appropriate time. And then, or it's like, sometimes I find like, okay, maybe you had that night out and you had a bunch of friends and you were in New York and you had a big night and you're like, man, I went a little hard last night. You get up, get out and sweat it out for an hour or two on the bike. And like, again, it's just like this balance. It's just like, it's, it's, it's cool. I, I found it's in a lot of different ways. It's helped, helped me kind of get through the grueling nature of touring. And what is it like when you get back off a tour, you come home, I met you, I met Taylor and you know, I follow you on Instagram, you've, you know, your dog and whatnot. Do you just need like a week to just totally let go? Or do you just jump in that new pimped out van that you have and just go de decompress in a different um, way? It's funny. Like it is, it's always, I, it's funny you say about the van. Like I do, I, those few weeks of it where I always find myself thinking about like, oh man, as soon as I get home, I'm like, we're going to fucking pack up the van. We're going to just go like hide in the woods for a week. So tell me, tell me a little bit more about this van because you, you put a lot of effort into this and, and documented it on your Instagram account. The last two years, as I mentioned, the, the band was off tour cycle. Making We were making an album, but you know the schedule was a couple weeks on, a month off, a week on, whatever. Like, And I, I just personally couldn't handle not having <laughs> something really big to do. And my girlfriend and I, we, we camp a lot. And we were camping out of a truck. And like we built the camper shell out of that. And then you know we got a dog. And we're like, man, this is just... We camp way too much. We're going like two, three-week trips. And it's just like... It's a real... Like, I feel like we could do this better. And I was like, man, I think Sprinter Man might be the way. 
And I'm, I was just like, also like, I don't have a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> so I found a really good deal on a, a, just a shell of a van. And then I found this company out of Portland that makes these kits, these prefabbed kits. And then basically, you know, you, you got your own van and then you from start to finish do everything. So I learned how to be a electrician. It was crazy. I, I, I didn't ever believe I could do anything like that. And that was pretty cool to be able to like push myself. And, you know, I spent, I think probably three months solo doing it in my driveway and it turned out incredibly. And like, we've, you know, we've been able to use this so much since we've since I finished it and still in progress, but you know, our bikes are here, whatever we need. When we just traveled for almost a month and we did like 10 States in it. And it was just like, we didn't even feel like we were missing anything. You know, we have a queen size bed in the van. We have a queen size bed at home. Like we got our dog, you've got your bikes. Like, I don't know. It's, it's been super cool. And recently, you know, talking about that love for the bike and how it's just a routine of yours. You recently had a motorcycle incident that took you off the bike for a while. How did, you know, we as athletes, you know, current and past always dealt with some sort of crash where all of a sudden you're going from the peak of fitness and the peak of everything to being in a, you know, unable to perform at all and being maybe even a hospital room. How did you deal with that whole thing being, you know, did you spend more time in the musician sense of it or, or how did, how did you get through that whole period? Because it, it was pretty serious. What happened? Yeah, right? it, it was, um, it was, I guess right now it'd be like four or five months. Yeah. ago. my girlfriend and I were on just in town in LA and got T-boned on our the motorcycle and I woke up in an ICU like four hours later and like, just, you know, it, I mean, it's life altering no matter what, right. No matter what the outcome is, like it's, it changes you, but very thankfully, like, you know, we're both alive. We're both okay. We, you know, certainly like I, I had took the brunt physically and my girlfriend took the brunt mentally. Cause you know, it's like when you forget a traumatic experience completely, like it's a totally different thing. Like she lived through it every minute of it. So that, in that sense, you know, that's, it's, it wasn't ideal for either person, but at that, when it happened, it was like almost exact. It was exactly three months to the day from the start of the first tour we'd done in two years. So it was like, Holy shit, man. Like my, my foot, basically destroyed my right foot, which is essentially the most important foot for a drummer. <laughs> um, you know, I had foot surgeries and uh, like a lacerated kidney and I had a really bad concussion and, you know, all that shit that goes along with it. And then, you know, for the, for a while when you just basically can't do anything because you're just laid up, I was, all I could think was like, man, how am I going to get recovery going to start to do this? And like, you can't, you know, it just physically couldn't do anything until you know, pins came out and things were out of a boot and able to like, you know, I started doing the gym as quickly as I could and doing that kind of stuff. And like, but it was hard because not only mentally, but physically, yeah, like I wasn't really able to do either thing that I loved, you know, luckily as pretty much as quick as I could, I was able to get like the bike on a trainer. Wahoo was super generous and gave me a, a garage setup so I could get back recovering and that really helped, you know, other than like, and I literally in my garage, I have my bikes and my bike on the trainer. And then next to it is like a, a like electronic kit for home practice. And I just like every day I'm staring at it like, fuck, like, I don't know if I, I mean, I knew I couldn't play at that point because my, my right foot is not functional <laughs> and as, as a kick drum foot, like it just, it just was like, man. So I just, it was just be weird. Cause I'm like feeling good. I'm recovering on the bike. I'm getting some strength back in my leg and I'm just staring at this drum set. Like, man, I can't play that yet. And this is, you know, and every day you're watching the calendar, you're like, it's like, 
dude, this, these dates don't move, you know, and like I, I missed, um, the only thing I actually did miss in that three month period was the, the band played Jimmy Kimmel to promote the new single. And, uh, luckily a buddy of mine was able to fill in, but, um, and funny enough, people were still <laughs> hitting me up and be like, great job on Kimmel, man. <laughs> I was like, well, it wasn't me. Either. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, like, the band yeah, you know. sounded so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I've never heard you sound that good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Screw you, man. No, but, you know, worked worked my ass off. Really, really, really put my head down once, once I was really able to kind of start the process of, like, physical rebuilding. And I, I'm, I'm proud of that because... I did three months of the day the tour started and I was able to play and, you know, it was definitely trying to get there and it was trying to like starting the tour was like, you, it's just, you know, it's just like riding your bike on the train or going on a training ride versus trying to race your bike against a bunch of other people, like going from a couple weeks of rehearsal, trying to still be able to play into like 90 minute shows every night, full gas, just like, just swinging as hard as you can. Like, you know, that's when you kind of like reality check, like, Oh man, like I'm, I still got a lot, I got a long way to go. So the whole tour was felt like kind of active recovery. No, I was like rebuilding that whole time. And, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's, it's, I've always been very appreciative of what I'm able to do the job I have and because we worked really hard to get to this point, but like add on the layer of this, of like surviving an accident, keeping my foot, all these things have just like made this new layer of appreciation pretty intense. So it was a great tour in that sense for me, you know, just like, Holy shit, I actually got to do it. Greg, I don't know if you know this about me, but uh, I am an amateur air drummer oh. and air air bassist. Yeah, yeah. What would you I say am. you're better at? But, but you're... Air bass or air drum? Oh, man. <laughs> do you ever switch, you ever switch instruments I, I, mid-song? Okay, I do, okay, okay. I do, because I have no talent. I have no talent in either. But, you know, you're a rock star. You've played to packed venues all over the world. And you know how to put on a show. So where do you think the sport of cycling can make improvements to increase its audience, increase the entertainment factor and make it more of a show? It's a, it's a good question. Um, as a huge fan of cycling, road cycling, the quickest thing that comes to my head is always like, there's gotta be, there's gotta be circuits involved. There's gotta be like some sort of repetition in, in like allowing crowds to, to see riders go by more than once. Right. Like, I feel like that, that to me, like is the easiest thing. Like, I don't know how you implement that because like also the beauty of pro cycling is that like you start here and you end 200 miles away. Like, you know, it's like these crazy, the whole thing is like this crazy adventure to get to the next point and having people just ride in circles isn't necessarily compelling, but I don't, I don't know, man. Like what's the answer, Bobby Chulik? We, we had Justin Williams on the show last week and he said very much the same thing, you know, make, make a race, a normal race, an event and that's only really possible with those shorter circuits and, and make it more fun for everybody, the whole family to come out there. But I don't know if you guys were around for this, but when Velorama was in Colorado, was in Denver, I, we played the concert part of that event, which was obviously super, super, super fun for me. Cause like it was like literally all my bike people and all my, you know, the music stuff was like worlds came together in that sense. I thought that event had the right idea they had a race going around the whole thing, right? There was, and then they'd come through or like, that was kind of like central hub for the, for the race was like down in the Rhino district. And then they have like real bands, like not like, you know, Joe Blow, like bar bands playing. Like it was like real bands, you know, it was like us, Death Cat for Cutie, Tennis, 
um, you know, some, some great, some other great acts. And it was like, and then we have some of the most elite men and women fields like that exist, like racing through and it's in a cool city and it's not that every biker has to be a fucking concert and do this whole big thing, but it's like, yeah, maybe we start sprinkling in events like that. I think that was, that was a great event. That was a great event. But what, what I saw firsthand was that those worlds never really interacted with each other. You know, like cycling race went on and then eight hours later, then the concert happened. So, you know, maybe finding a way to interweave those two would be would be the best. Yeah, that that was a great event. And hopefully we'll see something more like that moving forward. Before we, we wrap up here, I wanted to ask you, like last time I saw you was in Spain. In uh, It was during the Tour de France or just prior to the Tour de France. Just before, it? yeah. Yeah, and you were uh, over there photographing the final training camp for EF Education. Can you sort of tell me a little bit about like there's this whole other facet that we haven't even touched on, but like you you shoot photography and you shoot a lot of cycling as well. Um, can you kind of tell us how you ended up there or ended up like how that became a factor into what you did? So I, I was never, I didn't go to school for photography. I didn't, I didn't, wasn't like involved in any of that stuff, but I worked in TV production after college, but again, it wasn't like, I wasn't shooting. I wasn't a camera operator. I wasn't doing that kind of stuff. But when I started, when the band started touring, I was like, you know, early days, like the four of us in a shitty van days, you know, playing every bar across the country, <laughs> like mean in between shitty bar gigs. It was like, we were seeing all this amazing stuff. And I just, I was like, man, man I want to capture some of this stuff. Like, um, and again, this is fucking 12 years ago. So it's like, not, not like we had iPhone, million fucking megapixel cameras on our phones then it was like i just knew i was like man i wanted to like get some better quality images of what i was seeing and then it kind of just it would be like got a point shoot and i got like a cheap canon rebel and then it just like as all this was happening i was starting to ride bikes and then i was starting to race bikes and then i was like hey well i can shoot my friends racing when i'm not racing or i you know maybe I'll bring a camera on a ride and we'll shoot some photos. And like, that's literally how it happened. It was not like, it was never something I like, I was self-taught and I was, but I was super passionate about it and I was really liked it. And then some people were like, Hey, you know, like your images are really good and you should shoot more or do this, or whatever. Well, you shoot something for me or, and then it just kind of kept happening. And then I ended up connecting with um, a buddy of mine that worked for Rafa introduced me to Nicola Kramer, which I, I mean, you guys all know her. And like, and she, she was from North or she was living in NorCal and that's, I grew up up there. So we met on a bike ride and then like, eventually I started doing some photo work for her, for her team. And that was with Kristen Armstrong when she was still, you know, before. and then I started working with them. And then it's like, again, it just kept spiraling. I met Lucas Huser and became really good friends with him. And he brought me on a spider tech. And then I was like shooting fucking photos of Europe on bike races. And I was like, fully not like in my head, I'm like, I am not qualified for this, but like, people loving what I was doing and I was capturing stuff that people love. And I like, it was easy for me to integrate with these teams and not, you know, and to be a fly on the wall and to not be like uh, in the way. And I, cause I, I understood the sport enough that it was like, you know, to where to be, where to not be. And, and I, I was just really into the journalistic side of it. I didn't like, I wasn't shooting like race, you know, I wasn't like on the back of a moto shooting race images. It was more like, you know, how do these guys feel when they come off? riding the Swiss Alps and like are blown out and they're just like, you know, crying in a van, like, you know, just like those kind of moments. And like, 
or like the elation when they like do something great. And like, that was always kind of my vibe. And like, then it just, you know, it's been pretty cool through all those relationships. And as I'm sure as you guys all know, it's like the cycling community and especially in the industry, it's like not very big. It's like, a, it's a fairly, it's a fairly small, you know, upper echelon, <laughs> you know? So like a lot of people know a lot of people and I just got, I was always friendly and I got to know people and um, eventually was working with scratch labs and some other brands. And that was when, when we saw you, when I saw you in Spain, it was, I was pretty fortunate that I had some time off still from the band. And some of my old clients were like, Hey, you want to do some photos? And I'm like, where? Oh, in Spain. Yeah, that works. <laughs> Let's go to Spain. Mate. Thank you very much for your time. I feel like we've taken up enough of it. Yeah, uh, I hope I didn't just yap too much, but it's really nice to talk to you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like for us here to your point, right? Like, um, cycling is, is, you know, stuck in its ways and, and it's nice to hear, um, a different perspective on the sport and like, you know, hear how different people engage with it. Um, and then, I mean, you're great because you get to get this very wide, you get the photography, you get the physical aspect, and then you also get this, you know, tying in another world of, uh, of, you know, touring and, and being in a band. Yeah. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you guys. And just to tack on, I don't know if I ever really mentioned it, but my whole point of doing this riding on tour is to do meetups. And like, so if you follow along with me on socials or whatever on Strava or social media, like I usually will create ride meetups in these towns and we'll, you know, meet at the bus, we'll ride together. And then it's just, that's kind of the whole point just to have community on the road, meet new people and bring people into my world and vice versa, you know? And your uh, Instagram is uh, Greg Irwin Photo, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yep. And your band is Saint Motel. That's it. And you have an album, a new album, fully out, or you said partially? No, it's uh, we're still we're still uh, one of three EPs off the new album are out, but you know, thankfully, the singles cranking at radio, so we're just going to hang on to those other songs for a while. Exactly. Well, mate, hopefully you can get back touring soon and to everybody out there who can't go and see a show because you can't even go outside your house, get on Spotify and, <laughs> and have a listen. Um, yeah. Thank you very much. Take care. All right. Cheers, guys. And that is it. That's all we have time for this week. You can also get the show as well as a ton of other fantastic cycling journalism over at velonews.com. You can subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, just search for Put Your Socks On via any of your favorite podcast sites. Please continue to show your support by subscribing to the program and telling your friends. You can get at us on social media, Physopod on Twitter, P-Y-S-O-P-O-D. I am that is Gus on Instagram and Bobby is Bobby.Julik. You can reach out to us there, uh, give us suggestions, feedback, you know, just say hello, anything you want really. Uh, tell us what you're doing in lockdown. Whilst we're all slightly losing our minds in quarantine, we will be back next week. In what state, uh, who knows, but we really appreciate everybody for listening on. I am Angus Morton. Thank you very much. And I'm Bobby Julik. Stay safe, stay healthy, and don't forget to put your socks on.